gentlemen this is down to the wire we are live every single monday and tuesday from 6 p.m to 8 p.m new york eastern time remember you can call us at 631-965-4990 you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com download our app i could do this over and over and over again how do you do that you go to ios which is apple which you put in wwsrn or you go to android and on Android, you do something differently. You go to the search, play store, and you put in Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download our app. And you can listen to our shows live every single day. Speedy Petey, what's going on, my friends? Had a fun weekend. I got to see my family for the last time. Whoopee! I did, yeah. Why for the last time? Uh, my bro- Well, not, not all of them together, because my brother's going away to school eventually uh, mm. in the next couple of weeks or so. He's doing uh, some kind of... Some kind of work course. Uh, I forget what they call it. I think a co-op. Boring. Like they call. It. So he's yeah, he's going away. So we got to see them one more time with my cousins. Had a lot of fun. So. Well, I had a decent amount of fun yesterday. I went out to, uh, I guess you could say, a birthday celebration in Hampton Bays and had a little dinner, a little lunch, or brunch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, good food out there on the water and. Uh, Throughout the week, uh, you're looking forward to so much that's going on in sports, and, and there was a lot of things that went on over the weekend. Shout out to Eric Coleman and the Weekend Crunch. We had a great show on Saturday. If you missed our show, you can listen to it on our app. You can go to the podcast and listen to the replay of the show, which it is a podcast when it's a replay of a show. So you can definitely check it out. Me and Eric uh, gave a, a lot of thoughts of what's going on in sports uh, from the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, uh, debating. Oh, we, yeah. we, we buy and sell different topics. So definitely check it out. If you love sports and you, you know who Eric Coleman is, ex-NFL player, played nine, nine years in the NFL with the Jets, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Lions, check it out. It's a great, great show. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys today. At 6.30, we'll be talking to the 2020 NWHL number one overall pick, forward Sammy Davis. Sammy Davis Jr.? Or what, what do we got? Uh, you could ask her that. <laughs> oh, Sammy will be joining us at 6.30. Very, very intriguing story uh, behind her story, uh, Team USA, and and really moving forward to where she is. Uh, she's heading with her uh, college career and, and really – uh, soon to be a professional hockey player uh, for the women. So definitely we'll, we'll have a lot of insight of what we're going to talk about with hockey. I'm sure she has her own thoughts with the NHL playoffs. So we're looking forward to that in a couple of minutes. But the first story I want to get into is this Earl Thomas story. And Eric talked about it over the weekend. And Earl Thomas has had some domestic violence situations at home with his wife, and then fighting with players on the field, 
is a no-no with the Baltimore. Well, I'm sorry, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. And here's the thing. Earl Thomas is one of the great young, well, older veteran. I say young because he's still young in uh, men years because he's only 30, 31 years old. But as a football player, he's getting up there in age. This guy is going to be a Hall of Fame player if he keeps up what he's doing. Uh, He's been the best safety in football for the last five or six years. And he's really taken, you know, he won Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl with Seattle, and he wants to, he wanted to be a part of this Super Bowl championship competitive Baltimore Ravens team this year. But I don't know if that's going to happen because I do believe the Baltimore Ravens are going to release him. They already did. Oh, they did. Yeah, when they did what today? They already did. Yeah, they were talking about it throughout the weekend, and they finally did today. So they are done. They were trying to find a trade partner, but I guess nobody took him for the price. So it's going to be very, very interesting on where Earl Thomas goes now because I, I, I didn't hear that he was released. So I guess he got released today earlier today I was working so I never really got a chance to um, obviously investigate the whole situation but uh, Eric says that they were going to drop him and obviously they did so now where does Earl Thomas go now that the season's just around a corner two weeks away and Earl Thomas has no suitors now Seattle who knows Earl Thomas very very well they brought in Jamal Adams maybe bringing Earl Thomas back as the other safety that could be very intriguing very interesting um, the the Cowboys who need safety help, uh, a, a team that always has looked at Earl Thomas to be a guy that would be very intriguing to bring in. They were looking at him when he was a free agent from Seattle. He decided to go to Baltimore. That could be a team. That could be a suitor right now with HaHa Clinton Dix. You put him over there on the other side. Uh, that could really solidify their uh, secondary and help them out. Uh, after bringing all the veteran players that they have, Dallas, uh, would it hurt them to bring in Earl Thomas? I don't think so. I think Earl Thomas fits very, very well with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, he's gonna, and he's going to probably take a pay cut to, to go there, too, because we haven't heard Earl Thomas having issues with money. It's just a matter of where does he want to go, and that's a, a very good likelihood that that's the case. Now, from what I'm hearing with, with Jerry Jones, he, he's only going to do it at a certain price, which we'll see if Earl Thomas takes it on. So that'll be definitely an interesting thing. To look that's at. a team, yeah. definitely. Also, the Miami Dolphins are another team that could look at Earl Thomas. It's a place that Earl Thomas would probably like to go. It's a young team, a building team. I don't think they're winning anything this year. They could surprise a lot of people, especially in the division that they're in. Uh, but Miami is a team that's rebuilding, and I could see Miami bringing in Earl Thomas. I could see a, a young team. Arizona is another team that could be very intriguing for Earl Thomas. Also, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was going to say the the Cardinals would be interesting. It would be a whole revenge thing, like Sherman going to the Niners, the whole Legion of Boom re- revenge thing. So that would be interesting. I, I'm very intrigued to see where Earl Thomas goes. I don't know if a team's going to pick him up with everything that we've heard off the field and on the field. I don't know if a team is going to want to take a chance. The domestic violence story is coming out. Uh, even though the guy could still play, he's still getting up there in age. And I still think what Earl Thomas did in the secondary last year for Baltimore was absolutely critical on what, why their defense was one of the best in the league last year. Uh, but all in all, Earl Thomas is getting up there in age. I don't know if a team is going to be willing to open up their pockets to pay him. Uh, but there are teams out there that are looking for help. Even the New York Jets a team that brought in Bradley McDougal. Uh, they, they, they love to solidify certain positions and have multiple players for those positions. Maybe bring an Earl Thomas in for a million dollars. I could see Joe Douglas doing that. You can solidify your defense. And, and, and who knows? Bradley McDougal, who is so excited. If you guys watch the One Drive, the Jets One Drive uh, show, you can go on YouTube and check it out. I think it, this week is, uh, I think episode four is coming out for One Drive. But 
you'll learn a little bit about the players. Uh, the episode three, you heard, you, you learned about Makai Beckham. So that was something very interesting. Ashton, uh, we're going to learn about Ashton Davis this week. Uh, as far as the Jets are concerned. And and you see a little bit, you heard a little bit on on Jets Drive, a little bit about Jamal Adams' trade and, and Joe Douglas' thoughts to the trade and why he made that that trade with the Seattle Seahawks. So I, I could see something like this happening. Now, the question is, when you look at the Jets right now, or you look at the Giants, too, that are also looking for secondary help, do you pull the trigger on a guy that has... Um, backlash, not only from, you know, the domestic violence charges he had with his wife, but uh, some of the stuff that we've heard on the field last year and this year uh, going through the practices. I don't know where Earl Thomas's head's at. I do believe Earl Thomas is still on top of the, I would say, top five safety in the league. He can still dominate the position. Uh, he's a ball hawk. He can do a lot. He can change a defense. I, I could I could see the Cowboys absolutely making a move for him. I really could. <laughs> now he has the off-field issue, so that goes in with the Cowboys. The Cowboys will take him. The Cowboys will take him. They'll if, take him. If not, if it's not the Cowboys, the Raiders are always the next team after that. They love players with off-field issues. And and this is the problem right now with the NFL and all professional sports. Not only only the COVID nineteen and all the other stuff that's going on in the world. Uh, we have uh, the uh, president elections uh, coming up in November. So at the end of October, November. So there's so much going on right now, and and people aren't looking at all the different stuff that are going on off the field when it comes to professional sports. And domestic violence has been a big hex for the NFL, the NHL, NBA, and the MLB. Uh, I talked about this um, over the last couple of weeks about some of the things that we've heard with Ray Rice and Greg Hardy. All of these guys are their careers over in the NFL. And then we have guys like Ezekiel Elliott that can't get himself – uh, out of the tabloids or putting himself in harm's way, uh, put, not with domestic violence because there was accusations that he did have domestic violence and that was completely acquitted. So uh, this is the problem right now in professional sports. I think professional sports and these athletes need to figure out how to keep themselves out of the tabloids and really TMZ and all these other organizations that make a living doing this could affect your career. As you could see with Ray Rice, you saw that with uh, Kareem Hunt with TMZ. Uh, it just it, it keeps on happening and happening, and I don't understand why these players don't understand that they're in center stage of the spotlight with all these uh, cameras all over the player the players and, 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 and hotels that you're in. There's cameras all over the place now. You, you don't even know where they are. There are millions of cameras all over. So obviously, if there's cameras in those places and you do something stupid, eventually it's going to be caught on camera. So uh, we, we heard about the um, Seattle Seahawks, the safety. That got uh, uh, kicked off the team because oh, he yeah. tried to sneak mm-hmm. – try to sneak a woman in and try to potentially make it seem like it was uh, one of the players on a team. <laughs> so I, this is what's going on in professional sports. And, and as you can see, Seattle's not going to take, uh, they're not going to take that crap. And, and I'll tell you this, a lot of these teams and a lot of these um, offset professional teams that we've talked about, and I, what I mean by offset is uh, teams like uh, professional soccer teams that we don't really talk about uh, that happened in Europe. This is the same thing that's going on. Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, a couple of, I would say, six, seven, eight months ago, or maybe a little bit, of, a little bit of more than a year ago, was accused for rape. So th- this is never going to end in professional sports, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is, is these athletes need to learn a lesson and understand that every single time there's somebody out there in the tabloids, cameras, 
newspaper writers, press guys. If you know you're in a major city and you know you're playing for a professional team, do yourself a favor and stay out of trouble. Stay out of the spotlight. Hide. Bart Scott for years did that. And Bart Scott was the, what did they call him? The man, the mad uh, linebacker. They call him the mad backer. Okay? And everybody knew him as a crazy guy. He came to the Jets. Everybody thought he was a clown. But Bart Scott didn't really say much. He didn't do much until, until the press really drove him to say something. And, and Bart Scott made a living off of that, talking to the press. And that's why he works on ESPN right now in New York. And he's a, he's a big commodity in, in the broadcasting world. So Brandon Marshall's another guy who has done things on and off the field. He's had mental issues, and uh, he's fixed them up. And now he's a, he's a broadcaster, and he has – a life after football. And I think he's done. I think he's, I don't know if he's retired yet. I don't know yet. if he officially announced a retirement. But, but he's he, done. He didn't play well with the Seahawks at all. And nobody else has given him a chance since then. So I would imagine so. But this is the problem right now with professional sports. These athletes don't keep themselves out of the tabloids. And if you don't keep yourself out of the tabloids like Earl Thomas, you're going to lose your job. And Earl Thomas lost his job. He got waived or let go by the Baltimore Ravens. And he's still a, a great player. And uh, another team's... Uh, Problem is another team's treasure, and I and I do believe that Earl Thomas probably will get signed by somebody before the season start. I could see the Cowboys. I think he fits very, very well with the Cowboys. He always wanted to play for the Cowboys. Right, so. and that's the one team that could afford to take that kind of pay cut for him because that's where he's been wanting to go forever. So if they have enough room in that – They have more than enough room they, to bring it, him in. Yeah, but then remember, they have a very small – They'll drop somebody. Space. They will drop no, I somebody. Will. I know they will. To bring in Earl Thomas. I know they, I know uh, they will. They're not going to worry about that. So right, I, don't, I, I don't know why you're bringing up oh, what happens if this happens. There's nothing going to happen. If the Cowboys want him, they're going to bring him in. They don't have a player like that, and Haha Clinton Dix is nowhere close to the player Earl Thomas is. So if they can bring him in, they're going to bring him in, no matter how much it costs. Even if it costs them one point five million instead of one million, if they can get Earl Thomas for one point five million, it's an absolute steal, and he can really solidify their cornerback, their corner D back position because he can play multiple positions. He right. can play strong safety, safety, and even corner at certain uh, certain nickel and dime packages. So. I think they're. I think the Cowboys are a perfect fit for Earl Thomas. It's going to be interesting too because they have bad corners, so maybe they'll overcompensate with that with the safeties. And like you're saying, maybe they have to move those guys around if that's the case. So you wonder if they will end up doing it that way. Le'Veon Bell has spoken out. He's been talking to a press a lot, and and. I like Le'Veon. He he on one drive he says he hasn't been in the condition he's ever been in until this year. Uh, he, last year he knew it was going to be an off year for him because he was out of football for about a year and a half. So he said he was going to have problems. Uh, the offensive line was a little bit weaker than they are this year. So Le'Veon Bell spoke out today and over the last past couple of days. Le'Veon Bell says that Sam Donald no bars this season, which he pretty much is saying that Sam Donald has to stay one hundred percent healthy this year if the Jets have any chance of making the playoffs. And he's absolutely right. The problem with Le'Veon Bell is don't take a shot at your quarterback knowing that their quarterback is never going to throw you under the bus. Sam Donald has been a quiet guy since he's come to New York. He's never put anything on any of the players, his offense. He knew his offensive line was one of the worst in the league last year. He never took shots at the offensive line on how bad they were in specific standpoints, especially coming back and, and having a 6-2 and two record when he came back. I mean, Sam was as good as any quarterback in the second half of the season. You go look at his numbers, 6-2 and two in the last eight games. Tell me a quarterback in the last eight games of the season had the numbers that Sam Donald had. 
And it was probably three or four. Of them. Right. That's I was, it. I would just say it's not many that did, and a lot of those were MVP candidates. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying Sam Donald's an MVP candidate. And I've been reading stories that Sam did not look good the first couple of days. You don't expect a young quarterback with some of the young players that he is now they're they're implementing in, like Perriman. Uh, they have Herndon back now, and they have all these other players that he hasn't played with either for a year and a half because Herndon didn't play at all last year, uh, or Denzel Mims, who's not even 100% right now because of his hamstring, and uh, we don't even know if he'll be ready for the start of the season. So you can't blame Sam Donald that he's not building any, um, any um, what, what's the word? Um, positioning with his players. What are you sitting there for? You would, you would know more than anything. You're sitting there in your own little world. Who are you texting right now, our guest? Well, uh, well again, I, what I'm going to say about this is, Sam needs to build a good relationship with some of the players on the field. He has not done that year in and year out because he's had different coaches, different offenses, different line linemen. We're hoping that this line, this this offensive line, will stay together for the next couple of years. They're fairly young. George Font, who is, I would say. Uh, 27 years old, uh, Makai Beckham, uh, who is only 20, 21 years old, and a lot of room to grow, and they have McGovern, who's 26. This is fairly a young offensive line. They're going to build it, and, and and this is what Joe Douglas has come out and said before the season, before the off season. He said that he wanted to build, and he told Sam's family that he wanted to build an offensive line around him so they could protect the kid. And he did that. He added nine new offensive linemen this off season. He just got rid of Brian Winters. This is a completely different offensive line, except Harrison. Harrison is the only one coming back from this offensive line. So this is a completely reconditioned, reconstructed offensive line, hopefully this offensive line can protect Sam and keep him out of harm's way. Because if he do, if they do that, and you give Sam four to five seconds, even with the wide, recef- wide receiving drought that they have, and what I mean by drought is you can't depend on Crowder and Paramin and some of these guys that really never achieved anything in the NFL with their other teams coming back to you know the Jets and expect them to be stars. But Denzel Mims has a chance to be something special. Herndon has a chance to be something special. They do have weapons. And Le'Veon Bell coming out and saying what he says, that he's 100% healthy and he believes he's going to have the best season of his career. I want to see him have 1,500, 1,600 yards behind that offensive line and completely dominate the line of scrimmage. And they feed him the ball over and over and over again. If we see Le'Veon Bell and that offensive line do that, it's going to give Sam a little bit more time, more play action, and give him more times to make play in the open field. So yeah, I always said for Le'Veon Bell, it was going to be the second year because of that. Combined with the offensive line with new coaching with the rust from him last year. So the combination of all that means I think Bell is now being hungry again to prove himself that he can be that top five running back again. And I think this is the year that he does it. I think he was always hungry. The problem is, is I don't think he had the legs and he didn't have the offensive line to do it last year. That was the problem. He looks healthy. He looks a lot lighter than he did when he played for Pittsburgh. Um, he says he's very, uh, he, he, he runs the 40 a little bit faster than he has since he's come into the league. Uh, he looks like he's 100% healthy and he doesn't look like he has that much of body fat. He's 220 pounds. They see, said he, he lost about seven or eight pounds in the offseason. So I'm looking to see Le'Veon Bell take over a game, not be, I want him to be the, the, um, the importance of the game, not the guy that's going to hold the Jets back. And, and hopefully uh, seeing that with Sam Darnold and seeing that with some of the young players that they have, it will open up the field for Le'Veon Bell to do the things that he does best. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to 2020 NWHL number one overall pick forward, Sammy Davis here on Down to the Wire. <laughs> 
As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631-965-4990. And remember, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have one guest on the show today. And when Jillian told me we were going to get her on the show, I was very excited. I I read a little bit about Sammy. Uh, Very intriguing story behind uh, the lines of this hockey player. We are now talking to 2020 NWHL number one overall forward, Sammy Davis. What's up, Sammy? Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm great. I'm just sitting at home. My technology is malfunctioning (laughs) like always. Um, The usual in my household, it's craziness. I have Actually, one of my teammates from the Boston Pride is staying with me for the next week because her lease doesn't start and her job is started. So um, <laughs> we're kind of building, we're building her for a week. We have a bunch of people working from home. I'm, I'm in school. So it's, it's, it's craziness like always, right? Uh, life is crazy with everything that's going on with this pandemic, uh, family life and you have uh we have the presidency coming up in the next couple of months. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, I'm definitely trying to think it's like a good crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely I'm grateful for everything that's happened to me and I'm trying to roll with the punches, but it's 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 a good crazy. I, I always explain my life. Um, it's just it's chaotic, but it's it's a good chaotic. Well, I don't know about my life being a good chaotic. <laughs> my life is all over the place, but uh, I'm happy that your life is 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 a good chaotic. So, uh, <laughs> my producer over here is chaotic too. I mean, he's only is in. Sometimes I wonder if I if I put him behind a closed door and he, I put him on the show, um, he would do something to annoy me personally in a specific kind of way. I can't explain it, but uh, Speedy has his own personal. Uh, uh, how could I say this? His own personal personality. Okay, so unfortunately, he is in his own little world half the time. So there you go. Anyways, uh, this isn't about us. This is about you. As you guys know, we are talking to the 2020 NWHL number one overall pick forward, Sammy Davis. So, Sammy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, playing hockey, um, the fact that you're playing for Boston University, and and really. Um, getting drafted as the number one pick. How does it, you know, how did this come about? Were you a hockey player growing up from the beginning or did you play soccer? Did you play lacrosse? What made you start playing hockey? Yeah. So I actually have a twin brother and I have an older sister and they, my older sister and twin brother actually started playing hockey. And, um, I, I didn't, I actually started figure skating and we kind of, my family, like, always played sports growing up. Growing up, My mom didn't really play sports. My dad played sports. But uh, we, we were thrown into everything. I think I played soccer, hockey, and lacrosse and softball all at the same time once. So we, and I played on three hockey teams. And my sister played on two. And then my brother played on two. And I think we were juggled around. I think I would hang out at the rink from, on a Saturday from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m., at Habamock Rink, which is our town rink, and 
um, we were, we always grew up playing sports and I don't think it was just hockey specifically. I think it was just any, anything that my parents could get us involved in. That's what we did. And, um, I, I still emphasize even kids in high school who ask me what, what should I do? Should I have them just play one sport? And I say, heck no, play, play as many as you can play as long as you can and whatever you end up loving the most then go for it. But I'm, I'm a big advocate for the crossover and, um, just to play as many sports as you can. Talk about the whole draft process. You were, you were the number one pick in the U S or NWHL, sorry. And the, the whole draft process like that in a new league like that, I mean, is it, is it a special feeling to be one of those like newer number one picks, those newer upcoming star players? And did you expect to be the number one pick in that whole draft draft process? What do you think that experience was like? I mean, yeah, it was so surreal. I'm so lucky that I got drafted number one and they traded, uh, they traded me, traded up their pick um, for the next few years. And this year to pick me overall number one. So I get to go to Boston and, um, I mean, I knew it was going to happen, obviously, uh, like a few days, a week before, a month before. They're kind of like showing interest and other hockey clubs are showing interest and other leagues are showing interest. And I kind of had to make that decision. And um, it's always like a really big decision to make. And I think that women's hockey is definitely growing. And I mean, just doing stuff like this and getting our name out there and having other girls get interviewed and get asked questions and just talk about the growth of the sport. I think it's so, so important to show that um, that this professional league is up and coming, up and coming, and we're worth watching and we're worth um, investing in. So um, it, it just—I mean, I'm so lucky, and and I—I'm just—I'm very grateful, and I'm really, yeah. For the future of United States hockey, and I watch a lot of—I I watch the uh, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, and 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 United States hockey is is the best in the world. It's either Canadian hockey for women's or United States hockey, and and I think. Uh, People like you and a person like you growing in the sport of hockey and, and being the the face, I believe the future face of United States hockey is is pretty incredible. But tell us a little bit about, you know, the fact that you, you you look at Canada, you look at Russia, you look at Sweden and Finland, all these different places around the world where they're known for hockey. In the United States, which is is a growing place, it really started growing, I would say, about 20 years ago. I mean, hockey's been around forever here in the United States with the NHL, but it really didn't get really, really popular around the world. I mean, it was very popular in Minnesota, uh, Detroit, cold places, but... Uh, there are certain places like New York and, and Florida. It's it's starting to grow over here in all different states. Tell us a little bit about the growth of the sport, especially for women's hockey. Yeah, I mean, I grew up playing on like an all boys hockey team. My twin brother was on the team with me, and um, like I I looked up to NHL players. I looked up to like Patrice Bergeron, and I mean, I still think he's unreal, and um, just some of those like older Bruins players and. Uh, and I think now when I see little girls coming to the rink and, and little, and just, just kids coming to the rink and, um, watching call women's college hockey and you're seeing it on Nesson and you're seeing it on the NHL network, you're seeing those Olympic game reruns and you're seeing the, the world come up on NHL network. And I think it's just, it's so great to see it. And we always talk about like, if you see it, you can be it. And, um, and I, I really think that's that's a big thing is these these people these little girls are not seeing us on the TV screen so they don't know who we're looking up to and the more and more we are getting seen 
the more and more like, oh, those are my role models. Those are who I want to be. And I, and I see it now. And I see when I go to the rink, little girls know who I am and know who my teammates are. And they can, they look at a roster and they know what number we wore. And we know what jersey number we wear and we and where we're going to play hockey. So it's just, it's changing a lot because now they have girls that they want to look up to. And I never had that. I had boy role models, which is, is not a bad thing, like I said, but um it's just a very different perspective being a girl in a sport and um, having somebody kind of be your uh, role model inspiration and just kind of be able to be like, oh, I can relate to her. I, I, I know what this girl's going through and it's just, it's definitely a very different, it's different now and it's great. And I, I can't wait to see it get even bigger and, and bigger and have, have us have more fans and more um, people coming to watch us and support us. So um it's, it's come a long way, and I cannot wait to see where it goes. We are talking to 2020 NWHL number one overall pick, for, uh, a forward, Sammy Davis. Now, Sammy, uh, I look at uh, you know the NHL, and I, I, and, and I know professional football and professional basketball. They're not sports you know, because the men are so athletic, and they can jump so high, and they're so much taller than the women. It's harder for women to play in those professional sports. But in hockey, because of the speed of the sport – it doesn't matter how tall you are, how strong you are. I, I watched in the NHL um, uh, skills competition, I, I think it was like two years ago, uh, they put a bunch of women in the skills competition. They complete, Some of them dominated against the guys. They really did. Do you see um, in the future, now there was uh, you know, a couple, uh, in the 90s, mid-90s, there was an NHL goaltender. Uh, what was that? I forget her name. Ryu was the, the lightning like, one. Yeah, the lightning goalie. She came into the NHL and she was in and she was out. Now, do you think that um, in the future there will be girls playing in the NHL against some of these guys? Um, I think, like, ultimately, uh, I think we want to have our own league. Mm-hmm. Um, people compare, like, us to the boys and, and whether that's the NBA, WNBA, that's the women's soccer league. Mm-hmm. Um, hockey and just really any league and I think that like we're we're our own person and the game is so different like you don't have checking so it's just it's a very different game so you can't really compare us to the men and that's something that like frustrates me so much because it's like you're not as fast or strong or tall and it's like well we still are all those things right. we're just it's just different it's a different hockey game and I have people come to watch me play and watch the different teams play and they're like wow this is so fun to watch like it, it's just a different hockey game and people need to stop comparing us because um it's it's different and uh it's just as good and it's it's just as fun to watch. I, I will tell you i've been watching some of you girls especially in the olympics you guys are just as skilled as the guys I, i've seen some of the some of you women uh, do things that i've never seen before and and it's it's extraordinary because I was a hockey player. I grew up. I was a top fifty prospect when I was seventeen years old before I hurt my knee. Uh, it's a long story, and we could talk about this off air. But um, it, to me, the way the game has completely changed, and, and the way the NHL is changing the rules, they're trying to get fighting out of the NHL. They're trying to um, make it a little bit more a speed game. I believe that in the future, women will be able to play in the NHL because of the way the game has changed and transitioned into a speed type of game. There are some women that can skate a lot faster than some of these guys. I, I'm sorry, but it is true. I, there, there are some amazing, amazing women hockey players out there. So I, 
I am not surprised in, in the near future that we will see a, a young woman player get drafted in the draft. So Manon Rome, is that the, the goalie that's pronounced? Um, um, I, Marj- I think it's Marion Rayul. Okay, Ryum. Okay. Ryum. So, and I, I remember her because she played for Tampa. I think she played two seasons. She started one or two games with Tampa. She didn't have such a good game, and, and her career was practically over. And I, I, do, I don't think the NHL did the right thing towards her uh, and bring her in because it put a lot of pressure on her, and I, I just didn't work out for her. But I, I do believe a lot of you women are a tremendous have tremendous skills that you can compete with the men. And, I, and like you said, it's a different game watching women hockey than guys hockey. But I think guys, the, the men's league, the NHL, is transitioning into a speed game, which is your game. It is. It's the women's hockey game. So I do believe that women, uh, there will be women players playing with the men in the near future. I, I do. Hockey of all the sports, hockey and soccer are two sports that I, c- I could see women playing in, in professional sports. The women's national team would destroy the men's oh, national team. Oh, absolutely destroy the men's, <laughs> men's national team. So, so Sammy, uh, you were talking about the, how the strategy is different and there's not as much checking, not as much hitting. Do you think that is strictly a size thing? you think that's only because of, the obviously, the difference in muscle? Or do you think it's also a strategy thing, a coaching thing with the game as a whole? Honestly, I, I don't even know how to answer that. I I would think like, yeah, it was just a strategy thing. It was just um, maybe it was people being like, oh, girls aren't tough enough to be able to do that. And that's just been the culture. And I think that's the culture that we're trying to change. So um, I don't really know. I don't know why it started out as that. But I mean, I definitely think if they put checking in, it would change the game a lot. And I mean, I like the game the way it is. So I think they should just leave it and just watch it grow because it's growing. As you guys know, we are talking to the 2020 NWHL number one overall pick forward, Sammy Davis. Now, Sammy, your skills, uh, speed, uh, stick handling, everything that you do when you're on the ice, would you, what is your particular strength when you step on the ice as a hockey player? Um, I think I'd probably say my strength is, I think I, I think I have a good stride and I'm a pretty good skater. And um, I think I just work really hard on the ice and I just show up every day and I just genuinely love to be there. And um, I hope that it's infectious and I hope that my teammates uh, like, like to be around me and they see how passionate I am for the game because that's what I want to bring to the locker room and to the ice. And I want other people to love it just as much as I do. Well, you are a goal scorer, so uh, pretty uh, complete career of 142 points, 66 goals, and 76 assists. I mean, you're you have a bag of tricks, and and I've 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 read a little bit about you. You the Beanpod uh, MVP of 2019, Hockey East first team All Star in 2019-2020, Hockey East second team All Star in 2018. I mean, all these great accomplishments. Is there a particular accomplishment that really stands out to you? I think uh, winning the bean pot was like we we hadn't won in forty years or something, and I think winning that was finally it was like the monkey off our backs, and like it was just so so nice to win that. And then I think too, just graduating and getting my bachelor's degree and my master's degree, and playing five years of college hockey, and just being proud of 
who I play for and what I represent and the team I built and the culture I built and with my team, along with the seniors and my teammates and the other captains, I think that I'm just like really proud to leave. I, I hope other people can say this, but like leave the program better than I found it and be like satisfied and like, just like be, be ready. It's like a bittersweet, like you're ready to kind of move on. Like I'm just proud of um, being able to have that accomplishment and be like, I played college hockey at BU and um, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Well, first of all, everybody knows that Boston University is one of the best collegiate hockey schools in the world. Everybody knows when you want to come over here, it's Boston College, uh, Boston University, New Hampshire, Maine. I mean, these are the top schools of the country. And being that you were the captain of the Boston University hockey team, it's a pretty big accomplishment. So when, when you look at yourself and your career and you're a young, young lady and, and you're moving forward, uh, I know you're from Massachusetts. That's the only thing I didn't like when I read about you, okay? Because I know you're a Boston Bruin fan. I know that. You're definitely a Boston Bruin fan. You're probably a New England Patriot fan and a Boston Red Sox fan. So that would be the only reason why I would dislike you in any kind of way. Everything else I've read about you, I love your story. I love everything about you, everything I've read about you. So – Tell us a little bit about, you know, being that you're from Boston, what was it like growing up in Boston? I mean, Boston's a big state when it comes to sports, for football and baseball and even hockey. What is it like growing up in a time where Boston sports dominated? Yeah, I mean, I can't really complain. I mean, I grew up in, um, like, such a great city to be able to watch, like, such amazing athletes and like male and female, like there's just so many amazing athletes that have come out of here and um, especially Massachusetts. And I mean, like when I was younger, we used to like have, I mean, I guess this is just like getting bragging and I guess I could say it's spoiled, <laughs> but we would have like a championship parade down like Boylston, like stop it, year, stop year, it. Every, every other year. <laughs> I wouldn't say they got old, but <laughs> it was just, I mean, it's so great to have those athletes. And I think that all the Boston athletes that whether it's the Bruins or the Celtics or the Pats or the soccer teams. And um, I think that they're just all the guys that they bring into the into the city are all great guys too. like the girls, guys, like they just it's a good city to be a part of. It's a good people. It's a good community. It's a good family. We're diehard sports fans. So um it's just, it's a very good like environment for me to be in, to grow up being an athlete, wanting to be the best athlete. Um, it's just, it's, it's a healthy environment to be in because you have such great people in the city to work with. You just wish you were from New York. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't, I, I, I have a lot of Boston friends. I mess around with them all the time. They hate that. They love picking on me because the, the New York sports have been very, very bad for the last, I don't know. The last 10 years, I mean, we've had the Yankees. The last time a championship team was the, 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 Giants. the Giants in 2011. The Yankees were the last team we've we seen win a championship in 2009. And you look at the Boston Celtics, the, uh, the Boston Red Sox that have won three championships in the last, I don't know, eight years. The, the New England Patriots that completely dominated football for the last 20 years uh, with Bill Belichick. It, it just annoys me when I watch Boston win year in and year out one sport. I mean, I was there for the NHL Stanley Cup Finals last year watching the Boston Bruins lose against St. Louis. That was the only pride I had that was standing on the Boston. I was I was in the middle of the ice and I watched St. Louis hoist the cup, not the Boston Bruins. That was the only pride thing I've seen in the last couple of years. But 
it's amazing what Boston sports have done in the last couple of years. And then seeing somebody like you from Massachusetts get drafted as the number one overall pick in the uh, NWHL, it's an amazing uh, feat. And I I think that uh, United States hockey is in good hands with somebody like you, Sammy. Yeah, thank you. So you mentioned the bean pot earlier, and uh, that, that's definitely one of the biggest things when it comes to Boston's hockey culture. Very good college hockey culture with all those rivalries. My brother actually goes to Northeastern, and he said, Uh-oh. even even with all those pro sports teams we rooted for as kids, he never felt more stressed in his life than in, in those bean pot games and those bean pot final games, especially. Oh, yeah. So what was that whole experience like playing in those games? Like you, like Errol said earlier, you won an MVP in in one of those tournaments. Two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Her junior year, which was her best year, yeah. So what was that tournament like, and what was the experience and the culture like with the fans, just with the whole city? Yeah, I think, like, growing up in Boston, the bean pot was something that I always wanted to be a part of. Like, I knew I wanted to play, like, college hockey in Boston. And I, like, I just, I grew up here. I'm like, I want to represent this city. I've always wanted this. And... It just, it's so fun. It's just so fun. It's like the bragging rights over the city. <laughs> and um, it's just huge. The, all the college, like, student student bodies get involved. And uh, the environment was just crazy the year we won it. And it was at Harvard. And I remember we were on the ice till midnight. It was, like, double OT. And um, I, like, didn't even sleep the next day because we were up so late, like, we were just reliving the moment and it, we just like, it was just so surreal. And it was probably like, it, it was the best night of my college career. Like I will never forget the night that we won the bean pot. Um, it was just, it was just so fun. So, so fun. We are talking to 2020 NWHL number one overall pick forward, Sammy Davis. Now, Sammy, we do this with a lot of recruits. We ask him silly questions, but I've never done this with a recruit woman. So this is going to be intriguing and very interesting, and we like to have fun with this. So are you ready for the crazy questions? Yes, go ahead. Okay, question number one. Did you ever have a stuffed animal that you slept with every single day until you became a teenager? Yes or no? I have I have a, bit, a blanket that I still kind of sleep with and and was it was it specific where did you have it since you were a kid do you still sleep with yes. it to this day yes is yes. it did your mom make it bed. did your mom make it it was it was like my um like cousin like it was like a baby blanket hmm. it has like a it has like a it has like a verse from the bible on it it's yeah wow are you are you very religious um no it's just it's like a cute little like saying it's it's nice, yeah. <laughs> it's all ripped up now, so I can't even I can't even see it. <laughs> but you have yeah. it, and you've been using it for years. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Just remember, when you get married, you tell your husband you don't touch that damn blanket. <laughs> you don't touch that blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two: favorite snack to eat before a game, and why? Oh man, I like don't eat that much before a game because I always get like butterflies because I get so excited um but my go-to snack is usually like a banana and peanut butter wow or just a banana mm-hmm. banana and peanut butter have you ever heard that before oh my they're my two favorite ice cream flavors I know that yeah <laughs> <laughs> banana and peanut butter I've never heard that before that's interesting hmm 
Number what are the usual snacks. Ah, uh, you know what I you. Know, I, I like all different snacks, and I try to stay away from snacks because it's not enough for me. Or Even when I played hockey, if, 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 if the coach would bring us snacks like Doritos or little bags of Doritos, I would snatch up three or four of them and hide them in the bathroom. And I'd go to the bathroom. Coach, i got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to fill my stomach because I, when I used to play, I'd sweat so much. And I, how many calories? I was, I was 125 pounds when I was, when I was a kid in, in high school. So I was thin, you know? So... Uh, I had to eat. So. Did you guys have that like those traditional like snack travel packs? For yeah, all the, teams, the coach all those forty bags and then all the he, varieties. Here's the thing: I am a baby Ruth fan, Sammy. I love baby Ruths. So what I a hockey game? Wow. Yes, yes. I ate like I could eat anything before. I never had to. The only time I ever threw up because I ate too much before a hockey game was a a tournament. I went I went to Toronto. Uh, I was with my team. And before the game, well, we went to um, we went to a I think a hamburger place or something like that. And I had a bad hamburger, and I like to, you know, put onion rings on my burgers and stuff like that. I guess maybe that's what got me sick. And uh, just say it wasn't uh, a good sight uh, before the game. I, I threw up maybe three or four times. Uh, and after the second period, I. I dehydrated. They had to stick IVs. I don't know what happened to me. Maybe I had food poisoning or something like that. But uh, that really taught me a lesson. Never to eat hamburgers. Never go to a hamburger place before a game. So there you go. Uh, Question number three. Is there a particular pajamas you wear before, you know, when you go to bed? Do you wear shorts? Do you wear, like, uh, do you have, like, a two-piece or a one-piece pajamas? Is there any particular funny thing do you wear before you go to bed? Usually I wear like a t-shirt. And That's shorts. it. You don't wear any crazy yeah. pajamas. No. No, I mean I have some like matching PJ sets. Oh, okay, okay. That I've been wearing during quarantine. Yeah. Do you have a you have a particular thing when your your team goes to the playoffs? Do you do a particular thing on and off the ice uh, that uh, you do every single day while you're in the playoffs? Mm, I have like a pre-game routine like i have to get to the rink at a certain time and take my six sticks a certain way and ride the bike and then stretch and then go see the trainer and like there's a little routine (laughs) sammy you are a very intriguing person Uh, have you ever been to new york have i yes I had a double hip surgery my junior year, so I redshirted, and I wow. got my hip surgery in New York City at a hospital special surgery. So I was in New York City quite a bit that year. Best hospital in the country, by the way. Yeah, it's amazing. I I love my doctor. And um, who was your doctor? He was great. Um, Coleman, like uh, I can't pronounce it. It's yeah, Struden Coleman. I can't. It's S T R U A N. I can't mm-hmm. pronounce his first name. All the Giants, all the Giants, all yeah. the Jets, all the Islanders. Yeah, he does. He does a lot of those like baseball guys and um, stuff like that. So I was definitely in like good hands, and I would go back to him again if I ever had another issue. One of the fans asked me, "What is the hardest training drill she has had to date?" Like on ice or off ice. On ice and off ice, both. Um, on ice, I would say the hardest training drill we ever have to do is at the beginning of the year, and it's like a shuttle test. It's basically like a 300-yard shuttle, but on the ice, so we go to the goal line and blue line there and back seven times, and then we rest, 
and then we have to do it another seven times and we have to get it we have to get like an average of like 62 seconds or something between 62 and 64 mm-hmm. and then i guess like off ice training is basically like any conditioning thing that my trainer has been making me do this summer is just hard anything on the airdyne if you know what that is it's like this bike it's like an assault bike yep. thing mm-hmm. it's like a wind bike and they make you do like sprinting stuff and that's just it's always so hard well, I, I do want to see you play for Team USA Hockey. That I do want to see. And I, I do believe, uh, knowing that you were the number one pick from uh, the NWHL, there, there's a quite a good possibility that you're going to make the United States team. But, Sammy, we'd love to get you on the show in the near future. I don't know if there's going to be a hockey season for the NWHL, especially with this whole COVID-19. But if there is, we'd love to get you on and talk a little bit about the season and your thoughts from college hockey to professional hockey moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I would love to talk about that. Absolutely. And by the way, uh, don't worry about the camera. Uh, my producer, <laughs> my producer's in his own little world, but uh, we are very happy to get you on no matter what. I know you're busy uh, with everything going on. Uh, you're, you just graduated. Did you just graduate from school? Yeah, I got well. I got my bachelor's last year, and mm-hmm. then I got my master's this year. Now, congratulations! Yeah. So, what do you want to be a doctor in? What do you want to be a doctor in? Um, in occupational therapy. Look at you. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just keep, keep getting the degrees, right? Yeah. Well, you keep getting the degrees cause you know, the, you know, you're not going to be a hockey player forever. You know, there's, I know exactly, which is the, the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually you're going to want to be a mom and, and you, and you want to experience that opportunity as well. So, uh, now that you're 23 years old and by the way, you're born April 23rd, I'm born April 29th. So we're both Tauruses. So there you go. Yeah. I'm just a little bit older than you. I'm just a little bit older than you. I'm 38. You're 23. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But uh, uh, listen, I really appreciate. I really appreciate you joining us. I know you're very, very busy. Uh, I hope you and your family are uh, protecting yourselves out there right now with the COVID-19 situation. And like I said, I'd love to get you on in the very near future and talk a little bit about your professional hockey career moving forward. Definitely, definitely. Sammy, thank you. No problem. As you guys know, that we were just talking to the 2020 uh, NWHL number one overall pick forward, Sammy Davis. She is a very, 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 very nice girl. So uh, we definitely would love to get her back on. She seems uh, the only thing I didn't 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 like about her is that she's from Boston. That's it. (laughs) Everything else, I love everything about her. She, everything, the story behind it, I read bits and pieces about her and the achievements that she's had. It's an incredible story. So um, when we come back, we're going to get into some NFL conversation and NHL conversation here on Down to the Wire. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to Down, down to, to the, the Wire. wire. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Six three one nine six five four nine nine zero. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app, guys. iOS, WWSRN. And on Android, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
I want to give a shout out to Sammy. Uh, I know she's very, very busy. I was very excited to get her on the show. I know Jillian was very excited when she reached out to her. This was the number one overall pick from the W. I mean, the NWHL, and, and this is the, the first women's professional hockey league, and she was the number one pick. So that's a, that's a huge thing to have her on a show, mm-hmm. and uh, very, very sweet woman, and, and I think she's going to achieve anything she puts her mind to. Yeah. I think it's a, an incredible, incredible story. Um, but I want to get into more football conversation, and I, I've been watching Jets One Drive, and we were just talking, before we had Sammy on, we were talking about the Jets and, and Le'Veon Bell speaking out on Sam Darnold being healthy the whole season, absolutely needs to be. But when you look at the league right now as a whole, and I know a lot of people look at you know the future and where the future lies with, with Tom Brady being that he's 43 years old, Drew Brees is on his way out, Philip Rivers might have one or two years left, Ben Roethlisberger might play another year or two with his shoulder injury, Eli just retired, the new age quarterback. And I'm looking at the quarterbacks now, and I know everybody is like slobbering all over Patrick Mahomes because of what Patrick Mahomes has done the last two years, getting that, that record-breaking yeah. contract, $500 million contract. And, and, and you're looking at Lamar Jackson, what he's achieved the last two years, coming into the league, being that nobody thought he can make it in the league because he's not a throwing quarterback. He's a running quarterback. They thought that about Russell Wilson when he came into the league. He was too small. He's more of a running quarterback than a pocket-present quarterback. He's changed his complete style of game since he's been in the NFL. But the, the transition of the quarterback position is, is very interesting to me because uh, me and Eric were arguing on the Weekend Crunch this weekend Who's the greatest quarterback of of all time? And and and, and it brought it was brought back. And I know he was a Joe Montana fan, and he, and he did bring up Joe Montana, which I believe Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. But uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and a lot of people look at the quarterback position, and I I think people don't understand when I say who is the greatest quarterback of all time. And you, you can look at different eras. And you can look at the different rules that have been implemented in the league, transitioning from a defensive league to an offensive league. When I look at the quarterbacks now, more than I've seen the quarterbacks of the, uh, the 2000 era, the Eli Mannings, the Roethlisbergers, the Mannings, and, and, and the Bradys, and you know all the people that we talk about. And now you look at the transition of the way the, way the quarterbacks are playing now. Cam Newton was really the first one uh, that transitioned the game. And, and I say that because Cam Newton uh, was drafted, what was it, five, years, yeah, five, five six years ago. Uh, actually, almost eight years ago, actually. So Cam Newton was really the first, I believe, the, the transition of the quarterback position. 2011. So yeah. 2010 to 2020, you look at the transition of the game in the quarterback position. Cam Newton was really the first guy to really translate. And him and... Aaron Rodgers. I would say Aaron Rodgers first, then Cam Newton. But I think the difference, though, with, with that is Aaron Rodgers is still a pocket guy as well that's phenomenal in the pocket, too. Where I, I think Cam Newton, what you saw the Panthers do when he was there, is the creative concept. You have really to become you have yeah. to become somewhat of a pocket present quarterback of if you want to achieve your goals. And, and, and that's why I think Aaron Rodgers can play both positions. That's why I think Aaron Rodgers is the greatest all-around quarterback I've ever seen. Mm. All-around all I've ever seen. Problem with Aaron Rodgers, he can't stay on the field. And he, when he came into league, uh, he missed three seasons because right. he was playing behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Brett Favre. So you really, you know, you really can't comp- compare and contrast Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and, and 
Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers didn't play long enough to really compete with them. But if you look at the numbers and transition the numbers, they're very comparable to one another. Yeah, in certain stretches of like a seven, eight-year stretch where Aaron Rodgers had the best numbers probably from 2009, I would say, to 17 before he got hurt. And that that stretch alone, he was definitely the best both statistical and talent-wise quarterback in the league. Now, you're right. He's going to be far behind in terms of – not far behind, but still behind in terms of accomplishments just right now just because of those extra three years. But if somehow he does have somewhat of a longevity, maybe that can change. Well, that's why I'm looking at the league and how it's transitioning. Now, you have the Josh Allens, the Sam Darnolds, the Lamar Jacksons, uh, the Kyler Murrays. All these quarterbacks that are uh, pocket quarterbacks, but they're also quarterbacks that are mobile. And now when now the 2020s are here and we're, we're looking at the mobile pocket present quarterback, is it going to transition back to that pocket present quarterback eventually? And when you look at the league and, and the transition of the league, I think that as good as these mobile quarterbacks are and how they can open up the field and, 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 and escape problems and pressure from the defense – it also puts the teams in harm's way because it puts them in the open field where they can get hit, and there's no good backups. And If you have a franchise quarterback, how many franchise quarterbacks are in the NFL? Maybe eight or nine. The rest of them are good or great quarterbacks. They're not franchise quarterbacks. They're not guys that you can build your team around. So when you look at the NFL and the transition, you have to, you have to get worried about some of these quarterbacks, these mobile quarterbacks that are taking chances and moving inside and out of the pocket. But Russell Wilson also changed that, too, where you see him really do a good job protecting his body. It was always with running quarterbacks. They were great for a short stretch of time, and then they got He's hurt. also very small. Well, sure, but and he slides all the time. He doesn't. You never see him slide head first. I've never seen Russell mm-hmm. Wilson do anything stupid when it comes to sliding. He does everything right. Right. That's why he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. And I would say, outside of Deshaun Watson, who's had some injury issues early in his career, all those other young quarterbacks so far haven't had those as much. So you're seeing that really take over where they're knowing to protect their bodies. I know we were talking about Sam Darnold last week, where Sam Darnold played behind two awful offensive lines, and that's probably some of the reasons that contributed to his injury. So, Because I wouldn't call Darnold a reckless well, player. Well, and Mono, like that. that had nothing to do with his offensive right. line. Right, I know that. But still Unless he, they tried to kiss him. Right. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> Maybe still, they did. But still, I, I think that's what you're Ryan seeing. Ryan Winters? <laughs> I think that's what you're seeing, though. They're trying to protect themselves as a result. That's why, at least for now, a lot, not a lot of those guys have been injury-prone. The problem is we've also seen other positions get more injury-prone because they're trying to protect their quarterbacks, especially with offensive linemen now that to have to move outside and help them run and help run these RPO offenses that all these new, young, creative offensive coaches are doing now. It definitely, 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 definitely worries me when I look at the quarterback position and what these quarterbacks are making, too. It's, it's incredible. It takes away practically half or quarter of their salary. Just think, quarterbacks are making between 35 and $40 million. In five or six years, they'll be making 50 or 60. Now, you're talking about guys like Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, two young, talented quarterbacks that in the next three years, they're going to be getting their, their non-rookie contracts. They're going to get their professional contracts, their eight- or nine-year contracts. You saw Patrick Mahomes get 450. What do you think these guys are going to get if they show people that they can play the game and play the game at a top level? They're going to get double the amount of what Patrick Mahomes got. So you think it will be a trend? Oh, it's definitely going to be a trend. Here's uh-huh. the problem. If these guys can't stay healthy, if they can't build around these offensive lines, it's not worth paying these quarterbacks. Dak Prescott's expecting a 35 to $38 million contract. <laughs> Dak Prescott can't stand in the pocket or he's going to get killed. 
So that's the problem right now where, where the quarterback position lies. And I know a lot of people want to compare and contrast Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, or Drew Brees, or any of these guys. There is no comparison to, to the new age quarterback because the new age co- quarterback like the Deshaun Watsons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Sam Donalds, these are all mobile quarterbacks that can stand in the pocket and throw the ball, but also get themselves in harm's way. Lamar Jackson has had an incredible two years. He really has. It's, it's, it's probably been more incredible than Patrick Mahomes. Let, let's be honest. Last year, uh, Lamar Jackson was not even expected to be a top quarterback in the league. Um, a lot of people put him in the lower echelon of quarterbacks, the t- 25 to all the way to 32. Well, Lamar Jackson right, was a you're top judging three. on a small sample. Yeah, Lamar Jackson was a top three quarterback in the league last year and won the MVP as a running quarterback. So, again, it, it, the game has transitioned. But also, when you look at Lamar Jackson, he's, what, six foot two, and he weighs like, 210 pounds, 205 pounds. He's a paperweight to some of these off, these defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So th- that's, a, that's a problem when if this guy continues running inside and out of the pocket, he's going to put himself in harm's way. And if you're going to be an, a, an organization that's going to be willing to pay this guy $50 million, because if he wins a Super Bowl this year with the Baltimore Ravens, which they're one of the favorites, um, he's going to demand the contract that Patrick Mahomes got or better. So he's going to get $550 million after three years of playing football. So I think that the transition of the quarterback position and, and the thought of it is moving back to that pocket present quarterback. Do you think Lamar Jackson will get the 10 years, though, that Mahomes got? No. Yeah, because I was going to say the Ravens are a little different. With the I way think they the operate. Ravens will yeah. give him a five or six year deal, 50 million a year. Ooh, all right. I can I could see that. Mm-hmm. I, why not? He's going to claim he's going to go right front loaded. If yeah. he wins the Super Bowl this year and he was the MVP last year. OK. That was his first full season. He won the MVP. Now this is his second full season. He wins the Super Bowl. Same thing as Patrick Mahomes. You're going to tell me he's not going to go up to the Baltimore Ravens and say, I want $50 million a year? Because that's what he's going to do. Mm. He's going to say, Patrick got it. Why can't I get it? I am, I'm just as good as he is. Yeah. I was just more judging with the years, though, because 10 years is unheard of for, a lot, for any NFL I don't think player. he's going to get 10 years, but uh, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to live out those 10 years. He's going to want more money. I, I do believe that because the CBAs are going to go up. The TV deals are going to go up. Obviously, eventually there'll be fans and hot dogs being sold and hamburgers or whatever the hell they sell at the games. <laughs> they're going to make their money back, and they're going to make a huge profit of, uh, of, with endorsements and, and, and sponsorships. I, I can't see that Lamar Jackson is going to sit back after winning a Super Bowl and winning an MVP back-to-back years and not demanding to get paid. You saw Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams had one great year. One great year. And I don't want to hear about last year because last year he went into the he went into the Pro Bowl only because he was he was practically yelling at people because he sh- he thought he should have been in the Pro Bowl his rookie season, and he says, "Well, you know, I deserved it, I earned it." Meanwhile, he didn't have enough tackles. The, the, last year he had a decent season, not a great season, and then this year he had his breakout season. And as soon as he had his breakout season, he wants his money, he wants his contract, and he wants the hell he wants to be. There away from the New York Jets organization. He wants to get the hell out of there. Yeah, and then again, that's a, that's a trend of any position now, too. Now, the, the thing is with those contracts is, will we be able to judge how they're going to look in the time of Mahomes' whole deal? Because- you heard what I said about Eric. You, you heard what I said to Eric. If you're a running back and you know that the, the time deficiency and the, the thought that they only play three to, between three and five years – 
I think the NFL should change the CBA at particular positions. If you're a running back and you're getting your ass beat at the line of scrimmage, that after your two-year rookie contract, you, you can become a free agent and you can get your big-time long deal. Hmm. Because to me, it's not fair that a quarterback can wait four or five years and get that big contract, and they still have another 15 years to play as long as the offensive line protects them. A running back, they have three or five years, and then they don't. If, in three or five years, they might not even get off their rookie contract and never get the big bucks. Is two years enough money. to warrant a big deal, though? Absolutely. If, if you're watching him his first two seasons and he's, he's delivering, then you can give him a deal. If not, he becomes a free agent and a team can pick him up and, and – and, and let that team decide if he's wor- what he's worth. Because I also think, too, you have to factor in the expendability of the position with the quarterbacks versus the running backs. Yes. yes Patrick Mahomes only has yes. good two, two, good, two great years, no doubt about that. And it's still two years. But it's a quarterback position. Right. I, I, a quarterback position, you can play 15 to 20 years. As you can see with Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning. Look at the quarterbacks. Drew Brees. All of them. Russell Wilson's in his, like, what, seventh year? I mean, Russell Wilson's going to play another seven or eight years. Right. All these quarterbacks have a long uh, shelf, life. You know, shelf life in the NFL, but the running backs don't. Maybe just because of Adrian Peterson, he's built like an ox. <laughs> but besides him, you think Christian McCaffrey is going to play more than six or seven years in the NFL? No. Saquon Barkley? No. They're not. Saquon Barkley is built like an ox. But here's the problem with Saquon Barkley. He's so heavy on the lower part of his body, eventually he's going to have hamstring problems, quad problems, ankle problems. You know, This, this is a guy that's built really from, the bottom, from his waist down. So I, I'm... I think it's going to be – it's a huge problem. I think the NFL has to look at positions and see what positions in, in, the, in, in, in shelf life and mm-hmm. in, in the span that they have in the league on how they can decide on their rookie contract to their uh, second contract that they deserve to make. The so. one thing I'll factor in with running backs, though, and why they still could play that long is because a lot of them have become pass-catching running backs, too. So even if somebody like Christian McCaffrey or Saquon – at 30, 31 years old, steam out as a runner. How many, co- how many running runner. backs How many running backs right now in a league that have played more than seven years in the NFL? Yeah, uh, it's, like I said, Peterson, Frank Gore, those are the obvious two. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Johnson's not there anymore, so there wouldn't be him. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon, Le'Veon yes, Bell, I think, been he's entering his seventh year. Yeah, yeah, Le'Veon so. Bell, go ahead. So 2012, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's anyone left from that draft because mm-hmm. Doug Martin was the best one of that draft, and he's out of the league now too. So I mean, if you go through the league, I mean, there's not many of them. So to me, these running backs deserve to get their contracts in an early date of their rookie contract. So I said this to Eric, you have to look at the position. Now, offensive linemen last a long time in the NFL. They could play for 15 years. They can. Uh, I don't know why, but they can. Defensive linemen can't. Defensive linemen probably – I, I would say the defensive linemen, if he's if a good defensive lineman, between eight and nine years. I would say interior defensive linemen yes. could play longer because it's not a speed position yes. as much. I mean, it's, obviously guys are getting faster like they always are. But. but that's what I'm saying. You have to look at the position that they play – and then decide on how you're going to regulate the CBA towards the position. So the only problem that could be a problem, how a big problem for how the running backs. Pro- how, how all right, let's problem? say let's say they do do this two year system, and all of a sudden the first two that get signed steam out after that. It's going to really look bad, and then it could hinder the market. No, even it won't. Worse. No, it won't because 
to me, you can you could sign. You sign, obviously the rookie contract is two years. Mm-hmm. After they become free agents, you have an opportunity to make a bid for him. You give him another two years. Give him six million dollars. Give him three million a year. Even if there's a top running back, he'll take that over his rookie oh, contract. Do so you think it's going to be more like what we're seeing with MLB free agency? Yes, where, I think that. Where you're going to see a lot of one two year deals. Why not? I, I would give him if if he earned those two years and he's played well those two years. Say, listen, you're. you're on your rookie contract, you're making $900,000 a year or whatever. You're making uh, $2 million a year. I'll give you an extra $2 million. I'll pay you $4 million every single year for the next two years. I'll give you $8 million. You don't think he'd take that? You don't think he would accept that? Absolutely would. I think that you have to protect the positional players before you protect the other um, you, you know, the coaches and, 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 and by the way, the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The quarterbacks make too much money. I don't care that it's the most important position. I don't care it's harder to find a quarterback than any other position. To me, without an offensive line, you're not going to have a great quarterback. Well, we've known that for a while. A lot of the market rising the way it is. And we say, all right, this guy's overpaid for playing good, not great, or having one Pro Bowl year or something like that. That's, that's a lot of young quarterbacks that have just gotten paid. Most of them, in terms of a, a market value, deserve it in the sense of the way it's rising, but don't deserve it in terms of how they actually played. So that's what it is. And you're right. That's the trend of the position right now. It's all about the position. The NFL has to figure out with the new CBA. You know, I, I know Eric said that the CBA was just um, signed, so it'll probably take another five years for right. the new CBA to come out. So in the next five years, I think the NFL has to look at the positions. And, and I believe that in the next five to ten years, there won't be any special teams. I've said this oh, over and yeah. over again. Mm-hmm. I do not believe there would be special teams. Uh, I think they're going to completely take out. Uh, they'll keep the punters, and I think eventually they're going to take field goal kicking out too. I, I really do believe so you that. think they're going to just go for two-point conversions Two-point conversions, yes, I do. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Because it'll open up the game. It'll mm-hmm. open up the game and the scoring and open up more options to look at the game in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And I think that more than likely because of that, it will – it will hurt free agency because these players will be able to be signed unless they change the CBA rules with the money consistency. So I, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I do believe eventually they're going to completely take f- special teams out of the game. I mean, if the injuries keep happening with special teams, that's going to be the reason they do it. It's just a matter well, that's of... That's why I'm talking about Yeah, the, the only thing that's, that could be flawed with that is because a lot of times they are specialists on the team, they get special teams guys. You're going to be have a lot of players losing jobs that way. And if you're a that's players... That's going to happen. If you're a players union, are you really going to want... 300 No, players. because I think the NFL is going to bring in a professional G League like the N- of the NBA has done, uh, the NHL has done, uh, the NHL is the AHL. They have a, a minor league system. Uh, I do believe that eventually you're going to see that with the NFL. Which is fair to an extent, but how does that solve like special team specialists is what I'm saying. Well, how's it? What do you mean? Th- these, because there's a lot of guys these on guys, roster specifically. These guys aren't – they're, they're going to have to concentrate on their positions on what they played in high school and try to perfect it. It's, it's harder already. It, one out of every 10,000 people make it to the NFL. It'll be even harder to make it to the NFL with, with taking away uh, special teams. But I do believe with, with the big picture, some of these players need jobs. I do believe the NFL should bring in uh, a minor league system where you can make a significant, you know, not a lot. You're not going to make uh, NFL type of money, no. but you can make um, NBA G League kind of money, $500,000 a year, 600000 yeah. which that's better than working a normal job. And I think it will open up opportunity for other teams to look at the minor league systems and trying to make a trade. So, um, I think that eventually the NFL will do that. It's possible. I just don't know if the current players union would do that, being that there's still just I think, a lot of players. And remember I said this. I think before the NFL 
brings in a professional team overseas, they're going to bring they're going to bring a professional minor league team overseas. I agree with you on that. So, because I, I do think the international idea is still kind of flawed in a sense. And I think they're going to bring they're going to see how the nat, the uh, the minor league team does overseas first before they decide to bring in a professional team. And I, I think it's going to do wonders over there if they do it in England. They put it wherever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Wherever they put it, right I think off, it's going to Put it in Australia for Isaac. Wherever they put it. <laughs> wherever they put it, I think it's going to work. And I, I, I do believe that. It, and I've said this over and over again. In 10 years, we're going to see – in the next 10 years, we're going to see at least two countries having their own football team. And I, I, I'm not talking about Canada. I'm talking about England. I'm talking about Germany. One of you know, yeah, uh, one or two of those countries. Elliot was bringing up Germany as a huge one now yes. for football. So, so I, 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 see that. I can absolutely see that happening in the near, near future. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will finish up with some NHL and NBA conversation here on Down to the Wire. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to Down to, Down to the Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Six three one nine six five four nine nine zero. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday and Tuesday for 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS and uh, Android on iOS, WWSRN, on on Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So there you go. Uh, Me and Eric over the weekend kind of attacked the NBA lottery. And the New York Knicks, for some reason, every single year get screwed. They're amongst the league's worst six teams every single year. And for some reason, besides last year, they couldn't even come close to the top three picks. They couldn't. They got the number three pick last year. They got R.J. Barrett, a piece that they can build their team around. We don't know if he's that superstar that they can build their team around, but he is a piece that you can build your team around. We were expecting possibly a a LaMelo Ball um, sighting for the New York Knicks this year, being that the Knicks really liked him. They need a point guard. They need a wing guard that can do a lot of things, shoot, especially as good as him, um, and, and could do other things on the court. With, with his size and his ability, uh, he would fit what the Knicks are looking for. Uh, but the Knicks, for some reason or somehow, had uh, a 9% chance to get the number one pick and fell all the way short to the number eighth pick, which completely makes absolutely no sense. And, and my argument to this is, with the NHL and the NBA, is why is it that I understand you're trying to protect uh, of throwing away games, and, and why isn't the MLB doing it? Why isn't the NFL doing it? Because the NFL, there are teams that have done that for years, throw away games, especially knowing that after they lose their first five games or they're one in four or one in five, and in, in, in percentages will tell you the chances of you making the playoffs is slim to none. Well, they pretty much trade away pieces or players get hurt or coaches get fired and the season is over and they get the number one pick. Or the top five pick. Football's a little harder, though, to do that because there's only 16 games, though. Because... No, it's not. It's the same, it's the same thing. You, if, if you know percentages-wise, if you're one in four and only, I don't know, four or five teams have made it being right. one in four in the beginning of the season, 
you know that you're not making the playoffs. The chances of you making the playoffs are slim to none. So what do you do? You try to protect the team and try to protect your draft stock. And that's what the NFL does. We've seen the how many times have we seen the Washington Redskins do it over the years? How many times have we seen it um, with the Chicago Bears on what they've done over the years? How many times do we see it with the Miami Dolphins? <laughs> I mean, or the Arizona Cardinals? We've seen this by a lot. Oakland Raiders. We've seen it, this. Is that because they're deliberately doing it? We or don't the team know. Is just that how, bad? <laughs> how do we know? Right. How do, are you sitting in the locker room? Are you right. listening to it's, what John Gruden is saying? Or any of these, these coaches have said over the years? No. You're not sitting in the locker room. You don't know what they're talking about. So if the NFL is not doing it and the MLB is not doing it, why the hell is the NHL and the NBA doing it? And, and, and it bothers me because the New York Knicks, and, and let's be honest, they were the fifth worst team in the NBA this year. The fifth. So they should have been, at worst, getting the fifth pick. Instead, because of this new lottery thing that they're doing, they fell all the way to the eighth pick, which pretty much puts them out of contention to even think, even if they were the fifth pick, you know, moving up two spots is not, you're not going to have to give up much. Right. And you were showing me the percentages, I think, on Saturday when we were doing this with Eric. They had similar percentages to the six and seven teams, yeah. which shouldn't happen unless they are tied. And I don't know if I've said this before on this show. I definitely have said it on others. I always thought the lottery system, if they have it, should be based on the amount of games, not the amount of percentages. So let's say the worst team wins 16 games or something like that. So, however, so that would be what, 66 losses? Do 66 for that team. The next team gets 64. Let's say they're 18 and 64 and do it like that. So if they're two games worse, they should get two less. Uh, it's just not fair. It's not like fair. Yeah. The Knicks got screwed. Right. And, and, and that's the way I look at it. I'm not screaming as a Knicks fan. I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to waste my time on this show saying, well, the Knicks got screwed. But come on. Logic would tell you that the New York Knicks have been screwed year in and year out for the draft. Now, they did draft a great player. Phil Jackson drafted Chris Tapsporzingis and tr- decided to trade him away. Now, he didn't want to be here in New York. So if a player doesn't want to be here, why keep him? Now he's over there in Dallas with Luka Doncic, and they, they're, two, they're right now two, up 2-1 two, against the Clippers, and everybody thinks that Dallas is going to win this series, okay, just because of Luka's three-point. And I'll tell you, Luka is a star oh, he's in the making. He's a special player. We And everything that Mark Cuban had to trade up for, and, and, and that's the problem with the Knicks. The Knicks had a chance to trade up for uh, uh, Luka Doncic. They did. And they were in a better spot to move up for Luka Doncic. They just didn't. I don't think so. I think the Hawks were only two picks behind the Mavericks, and the Knicks were picking nine. That's when they took Evan Knox. The Knicks were picking eight, and Dallas was picking seven. No, Dallas was picking five, and uh, I think the Hawks were picking... When, when was Luka Doncic? He was drafted at five, wasn't he? Yeah, so yeah, Dallas traded up to five, I think, from seven, and I think the Knicks That's were picking a, at nine. No, the Knicks were picking at eight. Kevin Knox was the eighth pick. Hmm. All right. So I guess, yeah, m- maybe the other thing you got to factor into that, too, is Dallas maybe has more to expend because they were a better team at that time, though, too. I don't think so. The Knicks could have moved up and got him. If the Knicks won a Luka Doncic, they could have moved up and got him, and they would have had that other superstar with R.J. Barrett, and then you would have had, oh, yeah. you'd be in a different posi- position right now as a franchise. Mm-hmm. Now you see Chris, da- actually, you would have Chris Porzingis, <laughs> Luka Doncic, yeah, and R.J. <laughs> Barrett on one team. I mean, seriously, that's what you would have had. Chris Stapps would have never left. Yeah. He would have never left if Doncic was there. So that that's the problem with the New York Knicks and their organization. They. They have made bad moves in the draft over the years, and then they've gotten screwed with the NBA and, and where the NBA is moving these lottery picks. This lottery, has that was the one thing Daniel Stearns did it all wrong. He did it all wrong. Out of all the things that Daniel Stern did so well for the NBA, 
the one thing that I completely, absolutely hate is this draft lottery thing. And I understand they're trying to sell tickets and they're trying to sell uh, endorsements and sponsorships. It's another TV deal that they can have for one day or for one event. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I didn't watch the draft uh, lottery. I didn't because you know what? Nope. You know why I didn't want to watch it? Because you knew the Knicks I knew the Knicks were going to get yeah. screwed. Mm-hmm. And this is what's happened year in and year out. Now, do the Knicks have enough draft stock to move up to get who they want? Absolutely yeah. do. And Golden State, I mean, the story's coming out that Golden State is going to push that draft stock, that pick, that number two pick, to teams that will be interested. And they're going to want a player for it. I don't think the Knicks have a player that uh, Golden State's going to want unless they bring a third team involved with it. Unless right. Golden State wants to take uh, two first-round draft picks for one. I, I, I don't know what Golden... I wouldn't do that if I was Golden State. I would just draft the best player available and put him on your team. Yeah, and let him let him develop with uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and 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 Wiggins and all the players that you have right now. You have a chance to win now. Yep. The other thing too with the Warriors is why that can make it hard, especially as if the player that they're getting is on another big contract, not necessarily a max contract, but just a big contract in general because they got well, a ton gonna, of max contracts. They're going right to trade it. They're obviously going to trade the pick. I mean, everything that we've read is Golden State's going to be looking to move the pick. So there are going to be teams lining up for that pick. And um, knowing that Bradley Beal is still available, and I, I do believe that the Wizards are going to move him, I wouldn't be so surprised if I could see Bradley Beal, uh, Bradley Beal and uh, their pick getting traded for the number two pick and Andrew Wiggins in a trade. I could Ooh. see that. Mm-hmm. Because Bradley Beal is better than Andrew Wiggins. Yes. And uh, the pick, obviously the number two pick, would be the the reason, you know, they got to get rid of Andrew Wiggins' contract. So bringing in Bradley Beal's contract, that will fulfill the position and also fill in a role that they haven't had. Uh, A guy, even though Steph Curry is a great shooter and Klay Thompson is a great shooter, now you got three great perimeter shooters. They're practically unstoppable. You can't stop these guys. You put one on one side, one on the other, one in the middle. I mean, you're going to spread out offenses, and you're not going to be able to double-team both of them. Yeah, and also that enables... All three of them, I'm sorry. It enables them to move the lineups around, too. Yes, Steph Curry's, small. Steph Curry's specialty is shooting. He's a good passer, but his specialty is shooting. If Beal is a primary ball handler... And he could play defense, Beal. Yeah. If he's a primary ball handler, they could put Steph at shooting guard and just even just in the game plan, just have him specialize shooting more rather than having to be the point guard, too. Because I don't know if Klay Thompson... He's a decent ball handler and point guard passer, but he's not really great at it. I think, if they Beal, land, I think Beal is more of the If they land player. Bradley Beal, if they put Bradley Beal on that team and they trade Wiggins... Uh, they're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. They'll win another three titles. That's how good they'll be. And I, I think Golden State, uh, it, this really affects me. And this really bothers me because Golden State did not need a top three pick. They didn't. They didn't. And if the Knicks were right, right there with Golden State, they wouldn't have gotten the number two pick. They wouldn't have. And that's the problem right now with the lottery. And I'm not saying that the – I believe the NBA has screwed the New York Knicks. I believe it. I, I think the NBA loves the fact that the New York Knicks will never win a championship the way they're moving. They really not. And, and I think the NBA loves it because they make the Knicks out, the Knicks organization out to be the bad organization because James Dolan runs the organization, which I think is a crock of you know what. 
I, I, as bad as James Dolan has been as an owner. He's not the only bad one. He's not the only bad one. And he's also a guy that opens up his pockets. He pays the players. So you can't say he's been cheap like the Wilpons or the Coupons <laughs> or whatever you call them. This is a guy that opens up his pockets. He spends the money. He paid Carmelo Anthony. He paid all the players that he brought in there. He even paid the coaches. He's still paying the coaches <sighs> that are gone right now. He's still paying David Fisdale and Derek Fisher and Phil Jackson. I mean, he's still paying those guys. And they're no longer a part of the organization. So it does bother me that the NBA is not – I'm not saying helping the Knicks. And a lot of people say stop crying about the Knicks. Stop crying being the Knicks crybaby. I'm not crying for the Knicks. I just think that the Knicks have been they've – had the, they've had the wrong right. shoe. I, I think they've gotten the, the, the bad shoe. Yeah, you wouldn't be complaining about this if, if this was a team in a, a middle market position. You wouldn't hear about this no. kind of thing, this track record of bad luck with these draft picks. Be honest, Speedy. If, if, Golden, if the Knicks had the second worst record in the league, do you think they got a top, top two pick? They should, but they won't. They won't. The Knicks had the second worst, worst record in, in basketball last year. Where did they get? They got the third pick. They fell from, from number two to number three. They never... Get now, everybody wanted John Morant or or um, Zion. Zion Williamson before RJ Barrett. Now, I like RJ Barrett, and I think RJ Barrett's going to be a star. I, I do, I, th- I don't know about a superstar, but I think he's going to get he'll give the Knicks 25 and 10, 25 and 9. I think he's that type of player. I think he could do that. He, he can get to the line at will, he just needs to work on his, his free throws. But all in all, the people you know what people wanted was Zion Williamson and John Morant, and the Knicks didn't get any of them because they fell out of the top picks. Now, Golden State, who don't need any picks, they don't need any players because Clay Thompson's coming back, and so is uh, you know Wiggins. Now you have all these guys on one team. Uh, they're going to be extremely dangerous next year, and and now you have the number two pick. And win or lose, they can trade away the pick or keep the pick, and still be in a in a perfect position to win. So it, it's not right. I think the NBA needs to figure this out. I think they need to change this, and Eric and me agreed to that. I, I think they need to change this I, again. They, I think what they should do. Take the amount of losses that the worst team had, start from there, they get that amount, and then the next worst team gets one less, two less, however many more games they lost. Just do it like that. It'll be more fair. It'll be more closer for those teams that seem to get robbed all the time, especially in that three through six range, it seems like. A lot of teams get robbed in, the, in those times, especially the Knicks, like you were saying. And in hockey, do it based on points. If you're if, if the worst team, I think the Red Wings are the how worst many, team. With how many top points. three picks have the Knicks had in the last 20 years? I think only, I think only the RJ one, Barrett. I think one and wasn't there one in the beginning of the two? Kristaps Porzingis was the fourth pick. Okay, yeah, no, I know that because that that year the Knicks had the number one odds and they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And they got the fourth pick and they got the best player I think in the draft. You think he's better than Towns? Oh, oh I do. Really? I think okay. Chris Stapps is, is, is a great player. I, I, is I think better he's, than Devin Booker, you think? I think so, yeah. Okay. I, I think he's going to win. I think he'll eventually win with Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you're watching it right now. Uh, Chris Stapps is averaging 22, 23 points a game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. His first playoff. Uh, and I, I don't know what Eric was saying because I think KP, this right. is his first playoff run, right. and he's playing pretty good da- He's playing pretty good basketball. Yeah. So He's being unfair to a guy who's never been in the playoffs. Yeah. Negative experience is not necessarily bad experience. It bothers me because I— He's going to turn into a star with uh, Luka Doncic, and they're going to win eventually. They are. I don't know how long it's going to take. Hopefully, by then, the Knicks will be a decent team that maybe we see Dallas versus the Knicks in the uh, the NBA NBA championship and and get to see these two teams play against one another and and the Knicks shut off Kristaps Porzingis. But I don't think that's going to happen. And so um, the Knicks, I think the the last time the Knicks is at – 
this is the first time the Knicks have had a top three pick in, in about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they've been a bad team for probably the right. worst NBA team for the last 30 years. Right. And how, you- do you, how are you the worst team in the NBA for 30 years and have only had one top three pick in 20? Yeah, it's very bizarre just looking at the pattern of it, how that how little they've gotten that. Even top five picks they haven't gotten much of either, if, you're, if you want to judge that standard. For a team that's that bad, that, that bad, that poorly run for the longest time, they you would think they'd be able to – I'm not saying they, shouldn't, they should get it every time, but at least be able to get it more than The half. Timberwolves do. Yeah. The 76ers do. All these bad teams do. I mean, look at the look at the – Look at the Grizzlies last year. They were the eighth or ninth worst team in uh, – not the Grizzlies. I'm sorry, the Pelicans. Right. They were the eighth or ninth worst team in the NBA last year. They were supposed to pick at eight or ninth. They went all the way to one. They were, I think they were a playoff team, like or right, right near a playoff spot. They went all February the way to one. Like that. Yeah. So come on. And, and you're telling me that the New York Knicks haven't been screwed? I mean, they've been screwed. And, and the NBA needs to figure this out because – the Knicks will never be good because nobody's going to come over here and play if they don't have players surrounding, uh, uh, you know, the the main players where it's going to say, you know what, if I go over there, I'm the missing piece that can help them win right. a championship. Just in so. general, too, the policy of the lottery, the, the reason it's meant to be there is to have more randomness than it does, and it doesn't seem to have enough of it. I, I'm not saying a team should never get a, two top five picks ever just based on probability, but this much, this often for the Knicks not getting it for how bad they've been? No, they've been terrible. Right? Uh, come on, tell me. I, I want all the fans, whoever's listening to the show right now, you tell me right now who's been a worse organization in the NBA than the Knicks in the last 25 years. And I'll tell you this right now. Go look at the records. The Knicks have been the worst organization in the last 25 years. They have the least amount of wins. Their winning percentage is the worst in the NBA. They have the most coaches. I think. Uh, the most yeah. coaches. And, and the fact that the Knicks have only had one top three pick in the last 20 years is sad. It is sad. And the NBA should be ashamed of themselves because the Knicks organization, the mecca of basketball, Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, should have a good basketball team. And instead, they're getting screwed out of it. So it doesn't make any sense to me. And again, we we wouldn't be reacting like this if it was was any other team. They just brush it under. But a team should not have this much bad luck with this. That's not what the lottery is meant for. It's meant for probability and randomness within that. And if they... Gives you opportunity, yeah, it gives you an opportunity to change your organization yeah. if they with one pick. If they can't change that system and make it closer, make it a little more more random than it does, like the system I was saying that they should do, it's going to be very hard for them to uh, be very hard for these teams to rebuild, like the Knicks, because they can't get those. The teams are just sometimes just bad. They're not always tanking. Mm. Oh, by the way, uh, the Islanders game just started, and they're already fighting. So there you go. This is going to be a rough, oh, rough, yeah. rough round for the Islanders and the Philadelphia Flyers. Whoever wins this round is going to be the tougher team. And I, I, and I, I, I do believe the Islanders are the tougher team. I think they're the better team out of both teams. But I think the most talent, um, the most talent, offensive talent is Philadelphia. Yeah. They have the most fa- offensive talent. But uh, Washington had the most offensive talent in the last series, and the Islanders won four, uh, four games to one. So. Yeah, and Philly's very similar to the, the the Capitals, too, where they have a lot of bigger forwards. They have a lot of forwards that like to hit. So it's a very similarly structured team. The, the reason I like the Islanders, though, is because of who the Flyers coach is. The, we talked about it off-air all the time. The, Ra- the Islanders Alain owned the Vignol. Rangers when Vigneault was there. So the Islanders know how to take care of that system. <laughs> and I, I think the Islanders have a very good chance of in- advancing into the, uh, 
Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think it could happen. Mm-hmm. I really do. Uh, the Islanders are one of the last four teams in the Eastern Conference, which who would have thought that uh, in the second half of the season, the way they played after losing Pelic. So, right. Uh, this is a – and I, I want to get into hockey now. It's, it's pretty incredible what the Islanders and Barry Trotz is doing. Uh, you could say whatever you want about the organization and how poorly it's run over the last couple of years. Uh, ever since Barry Trotz has come into uh, – the co- being the coach of the New York Islanders from the Washington Capitals and Lou Lamarola taking over for the team, this has been a different organization. They played so well in that series. They the Capitals just fired their coach today. Well, well so. I'm not surprised. <laughs> and I, see why. And, and b- believe it or not, that was the same coach that took them all the way to the Eastern. Well, where, where did they go? He was the assistant coach in, in the Cup run. Yeah, yeah but the, last year they were in the Eastern Conference Final. Right? No, they oh, lost no. in the first round of Carolina. Well, that's last right. Year. That's mm-hmm. right. They they, lost. they got upset in that seven game series. But they had the best record. They had the best record in the Eastern Conference that year. I think they were second. I think they were the two seed because Tampa had all those one under twenty point season. Tampa, I wouldn't be so surprised if Barry Trotz yeah. brings Nurse back to the Islanders. Mm. I could see that happening yeah. in the off season. Mm-hmm. I really could. But yeah, because I can't see him getting another head coaching job. No, but uh, I, I will say this: when when you look at the big picture right now, and you look at the Islanders, and you look at the NHL players. By the way, the NHL players have been absolutely stupendous and i that's a word i just made okay it's been absolutely fantastic and the speed of the game it it doesn't matter if their fans there or not you could see the players want it they want to win and it's it's uh, to me winning or losing the fact that you can win a stanley cup even if if the Islanders somehow pull off get out of this round and get to the eastern conference finals and get into the stanley cup and they win the stanley cup it's as big as if they won it on their own ice it really is and unfortunately we're not going seed yeah unfortunately we're not going to be able to celebrate it um you know probably because of covid-19 so uh, i'm hoping that uh, it happens and we could, we could start talking about it moving forward but I don't know, and I, I let's see them get out of out of this round against Philadelphia. If somehow they can get out of this round against Philadelphia, this is going to be a really, really up. Oh, that was a penalty. Yep. So the Islanders are on the power play, but anyway, Speedy, uh, what it, what really surprises you right now about the NHL uh, playoffs? I, Dallas, which Turner keeps, mm. he texted <laughs> me again yesterday. He texted me again yesterday, uh, which. Uh, are you picking Dallas against the Avalanche? No, no. And, I, and Dallas, won. And I, Dallas I, I, won. I know you've been down on Colorado, so I wasn't sure. No, I picked okay. I picked Colorado because I, I don't want Turner to be right. But, <laughs> uh, Turner looks like he's um, slowly but surely um, going to be right. Dallas that's, that's is my what, cup pick, so Dallas, I got to stand by it. <laughs> what Dallas? No, Colorado. <laughs> Dallas is uh, three games away from being in the Western Conference Championship, mm-hmm. and. It, the, the interesting thing with the Stars, and this is why they can be coaching extra dangerous, not only that, they're winning with offense too, which wasn't their big thing. They were always winning with defense, good defensive depth, and now their offense is stepping up too. All these veteran guys that you forgot were in the league. A lot of these veterans that they signed for the third and fourth line guys are playing really well for them too, and they're getting offense from their defense, which was expected for them. They got Klingberg, they got Heiskanen, but they're getting offense from random source, and they're winning high-scoring games. They won a lot of the 5-3. They won that 7-3 game against the Flames. A lot of a lot of these high-scoring games, now they just beat Colorado 5 Lyle, Lyle is saying, I'm just as surprised with the Islanders. So, uh, Lyle, a shout-out to Lyle, my, my boy Lyle. He's watching the show right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible what the Islanders are doing right now. I'm not surprised that the, they're built for the playoffs. If anybody knows hockey, the Islanders are built for the playoffs. They don't have a, a, a main superstar. Right. They have a great defensive team team. Uh, understanding of what they play and how they play it, and they have good goaltending. And what wins championship 
good goaltending, and good defense. Team defense wins championships. And you're seeing that with the Islanders. So I'm not surprised that the Islanders are playing good hockey. I'm just surprised the way they whipped Washington's right. ass in the first round. And, and now they're playing a Philadelphia team, which matches they match up very, very well against. Uh, they have a very good chance to get into the Eastern Conference Championship. And depending on how long this Boston Bruins series goes with Tampa, and it could go seven games and it could wear them out, uh, the Islanders might have an advantage in the next series if it's Boston because they have Hawk as their goalie. So, <laughs> I, I mean, this, this could turn out to be uh, the perfect, perfect scenario for the New York Islanders. It really could. Halak looked really good in game one, though. I will admit that for, for Boston. That doesn't so. matter. The Islanders, no, we know. Know. We know. the Islanders know most of the players played with Halak. They know his weaknesses. They know his strengths. So they know him. And Barry Trotz knows him very, very well as well. So, and I think he did coach. Barry Trotz did coach him one time, didn't he? I'm trying to remember. Uh, he played for Washington, I didn't he? I don't. I don't remember if he played. He played against Washington for Montreal when in that cup in that playoff run that they had. They, I don't remember if he actually played for Washington. I think, I mean, they had a bunch of random goalies, but I don't think so. I don't think he ever ended up there. Mm. Well, I'll tell you this: uh, what I've seen so far with the the Islanders is is that their defense is holding up, and if Pelic stays healthy and that first line can stop the number one line of each team. It's going to give the Islanders an opportunity to move forward and move forward fast. And, and uh, they can win the Stanley Cup this year. Don't, don't take the Islanders out of the equation because the Islanders are still maybe a year or two years away from being um, a Stanley Cup competitive team every year. So they're, they're a one offensive. Uh, Mike, Mike thinks they're two offensive players away. I don't. I think they're one offensive player away from being uh, a very hard team to beat. Maybe, maybe, again, maybe they are on paper, but again, you don't play the playoffs on paper, so that's the way it is, especially with a seven seed now, and Vancouver, the other seven seed, made it to the next round, too, so those lower seeds can make a difference, and even the, the double-digit ones, they played well early on. I just think that these low-level uh, seeded play teams, I don't think the Islanders should have been a seven seed. The Islanders in the second half of the season didn't play well because of losing Pelic for a significant amount of time. Who would have thought that Pelic would be a huge piece on why the Islanders play the defense the way they play it? But you could see the difference in the way they play on the first line defense with Pulak, uh, Pulik, and 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 Pelic the way right. they play together, uh, shutting down the top offensive teams in 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 the number one lines uh, on in the NHL. So I I am not surprised that the Islanders are playing good hockey. The question is. Um, could they continuously keep doing this? And and that only the Islanders could tell. But um, I've been very surprised with Vancouver. Um, I, I'm I'm very surprised that Dallas beat Vancouver the other day. I'm very surprised about that. But I do believe that Van. I'm I'm sorry, not Dallas beat Vancouver. Dallas beat uh, Calgary. That beat uh, Den. I'm sorry, Denver. Yes, yeah. beat the Avalanche the other day. I thought Colorado was the better team, and. Again, maybe Turner's right. Maybe Dallas is another team that is built for this playoff run. They might be. And, and maybe, maybe if they end up maybe going Maybe it's far, Dallas and the Islanders. Maybe if they end up going far, we can throw the whole interim coach notion out of the, they're not going to win because they have it. Because one won one last year with the Blues. So right. maybe that's a whole new thing that we have and to keep And Barubi is a good head coach. Yes. I know a lot of St. Louis Blue fans are upset that they got eliminated in the first round. St. Louis just uh, walked into a, a team like Vancouver that was just hot. They were just hot. And they were, they were faster and um, a more, uh, I guess, more ready to win this year than, 
than St. Louis was. And they, they won in the same way St. Louis won last year. They they needed to get depth because that was their question mark coming in with Vancouver because they're top heavy with a lot of young players when it comes to their talent. But their depth stepped up, which was always a big strength for the Blues, but it didn't happen this year. I uh, This has been so fun to watch. The NHL playoffs have been so fun to watch. The NBA playoffs so far, I'll be honest with you, I've watched maybe three games in the NBA playoffs in the first round. I don't start watching the NBA playoffs until the semifinals. Because to me, whoever gets out of the, we know who's going to get. It's surprising right now that Dallas is up 2-1. Okay, it is. I think it's 2-2 right now. Oh, whatever, 2-2. Yeah. It's surprising that it's even that close. Right. Okay? But all in all, when, when you look at, it's all about the semifinals. And I think the matchups will be a lot different going into the semifinals. Knowing that Toronto now uh, um, eliminated the Brooklyn Nets. And now Philadelphia was eliminated and they fired their coach. Yep. I think you're going to see a complete transition of what this, what the playoffs are. And then I'll start watching because who's Toronto playing in the next Boston. round? Boston. Boston. That's going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Milwaukee versus Miami. Miami. Most likely. Miami could sweep tonight. If... Yeah. And then you get to see Miami and Milwaukee. And I could see Miami knocking off Milwaukee too. too. As much as I like the Bucks, I could definitely see Miami so knocking Miami off. Miami could go all the way to the, the I, NBA uh, championship. Mm-hmm. With the team that they have, Young and, and, and Pat Riley knows how to build the team. But uh, the the NHL is has been so fun to watch, and I, I want to get Anthony LaRocca on the show because I think he would love to talk about the Islanders and where the NHL is going. And and Ashley Sarge, who keeps bugging the <laughs> hell out of me to bring his show back on the network. And, and Ashley, I will reach out to you. I'm sorry, I've been so friggin' busy, but um, it's it's crazy right now. The NHL playoffs have been nothing but fun to watch, and I. I'm excited to see where the Islanders go in this series, and I, I, I do believe that the Islanders are the favorites. A lot of people pick the Islanders to win this series. Um, and if they do get into the Eastern Conference Finals, by the way, Beef, if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup this year, what are you going to say then? Oh, God, he's going to have to do that thing, but I don't want to think about it. What again. are you going to do then, my friend? No, he didn't even make the bet. Oh, he didn't? No, he didn't make the bet because okay. he's a chicken, you know what. Okay. He's a chicken because <laughs> he knows. Because he knows. Anybody, any Ranger fan that thinks that the, the Rangers have a better chance of winning a championship in the next five years than the Islanders obviously don't know hockey. I don't care how much talent offensively the Rangers have. Offense doesn't win championships. The only team that did do that that way was the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's because they had Sidney Crosby and Malkin, arguably two of the best players in the league, when they won those two championships. Right. So... I, again, I don't see the Rangers doing that. Even adding uh, Lafayre, whatever his Lafreniere, name is. Yep. Lafreniere, whatever his name is. I, 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 Lafreniere is going to be a talented player. It's the same thing as um, the kid that they drafted last year. Capococco. Yeah, Capococco. He's going to be a talented player. Both guys are going to be 30, 40 goal scorers. But that doesn't win you championships. It doesn't. Because when it gets into the playoffs, you need to put the pucks in the net. And those superstar players, a.k.a. Mr. Panarin, who didn't do it. In the first round, and that's why they got swept by the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the, the NHL playoffs, the leading goal scorers a lot of the time are a lot of random mm-hmm. guys. Look at the Dallas defensive, yep. Gurianov, who scored four goals in one game against the Flames. Bolivier. Yeah, Bolivier. Bolivier. He has six goals already mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs. He has all, I think he has 14 points. You got John, James, um, Bailey. He has ten points or twelve points in the in the. He's got two goals and eight assists mm-hmm. in in the first round. I right. mean, it's it's been incredible, and everybody keeps taking taking shots at, at Bailey, uh, how bad he is. But if you look at his playoff runs the last few seasons, I mean, last year they didn't make the playoffs, but the year before that, I mean, Bailey's been a big part of their mm-hmm. uh, their actually they did make the playoffs. Yeah, they got swept back. Bailey played well in the playoffs last year. It was mm-hmm. the year before that, yeah. but uh, they didn't have they didn't play, but. 
I mean, Bailey's been good in the playoffs. So has Brock Nelson. He's been very good in the playoffs the last two seasons, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're getting quality scoring, and they added Pajot, which you see why they added Pajot. He's one of the best face-off guys in the NHL, and he could score goals in the big games. He's had, he had four goals in the last series. So if you have a guy that can score, or you have guys that could score at least 10 to 12 goals in all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, you have a pretty good offensive team. Right. I mean... Uh, they don't have that superstar that can take over a game. But uh, there's guys like Ovechkin who's a free agent this year. Um, there, mm. are, there are guys that are going to be available. And why not Ovechkin coming to Barry Trotz's team and helping Barry Trotz win another championship with the Islanders? That's that a could scary happen. thought. That could happen. Wow. I didn't even think of that. That, that could happen. Word. He's a free That's agent. A very much could happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it could absolutely happen. And I know Mikey C don't want to hear it. And I know Mikey C doesn't believe it because the Islanders don't have the money right now because they got to pay this defenseman, that defenseman. But if you can get Alexander, if you can get Alexander Vetchkin for a two year contract worth about 10 million a year, you're not going to do that. No, you got to do that. Uh, I mean, no matter how old he is, you got to do that. He's still going to score 40 to 50 goals. He's proven that he can do that. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what the Islanders need. They need a goal scorer that can take over games. Anyways, that's it for our show. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back tomorrow. Who do we have tomorrow? Uh, Tomorrow we have one of the Rangers prospects that, uh, that couldn't join us because of right. the power outage. I think we had him. I forget who the other one is. I think he's another tight end recruit, though. So add him to the bracket of, for the TikTok tight end recruits. There you go. And uh, we will be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely follow us by going to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And, guys, download our app. I made this. I put so much time, so much money into this app for you guys to download. If you don't have it, go to iOS, WWSRN, or you go to Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, me and Speedy P. Up next, the wise guys, here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.